Ephesians 5, verses 15 to 21 says this, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the chance to look at your word and to be challenged and encouraged by it this morning. We pray that your spirit would uh, be stirring in our hearts and in these words that I speak, that you would be honored and lifted high and glorified. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, question to start out. And I need full participation. Hopefully. We'll see. Favorite time travel movie? Go. Time what? Time Bandits. All right. Time Bandits. I don't remember that one. Back to the Future, one, two, or three, or just the whole set? One. Okay. Two is good. Two is good. I liked three more than most people liked three because, because I liked it so much. Anyway. All right. True. Others? What? <laughs> All right, Anna Green Gables, yeah, okay. Takes you back. And what did you say? The, the age of Adeline. There you go. I don't remember that one. Okay. Well, Back to the Future is definitely my number one, uh, hands down. But I, I think nostalgically, and I don't know if it would be today if I watched it again, but I really used to love Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. <laughs> so good. So good. Classic from 1989. There's actually a Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure 2. Uh, is the bogus adventure. As well as, apparently, there's a 3 coming sometime. That's what I hear. That's what I hear. Anyway, um, fabulous movie about Bill and Ted, two seemingly dumb teens who set off on a quest to prepare the ultimate historical presentation with the help of a time machine. So, yeah. Ted, uh, Ted basically has to... His problem is, the whole major problem of the movie, is that Ted's dad is going to send him off to military school if he doesn't get a good grade in his class. And so Bill and Ted have to work together to put together this great history report so that Ted doesn't get shipped off to, to military school and thus ruin the potential of wild stallions. Yeah. This, is, this, is, this is the plot. So Rufus shows up, right? And it brings a time machine for them to go travel all the world, gather all these historical people, and create the best history presentation of all time, saving Ted from certain doom at military school and bringing him and Bill together for wild stallions for the rest of their lives. You know, the thing is that uh, time movies are fun. I love I love these movies. They expand your mind, think, make you think outside the box a little bit. Um, 
but often we have this perspective that um, time is going to solve our problems. Like, if we just added more time to our day, that would just solve our problem. I'd, I'd have more time to take care of what I need to take care of. If I had more time, then I would have got it done, right? I would have spent more time with my family. I would have gotten that task done. I would have, you know, whatever. Would have put up the fence. If I had, if I had more time, just needed more time. Um, and the truth is, time isn't the answer for us. It's not. Um, mainly because God saw fit to not let us expand time. There's no way for us to make time greater, right? Time machines are a fun idea, but they haven't come to materiality. I can't step into a phone booth and, uh, and transfer myself back, you know, a week so that I can get a week's more work done in time. No, we think a lot of times that time will solve our problems, that if we have more time, we can uh, make a solution. And, and even as you, uh, you know, as uh, theories of the origin of the world uh, come out, time is often a solution to that. Well, we, see, if it started billions of years ago, then you know, maybe there's enough time for this all to come together. Time is often a solution to our problems. And the truth is that the solution to the challenges we face each day isn't more time. The solution to the challenges we face each day are wisdom and the Spirit of God. Wisdom and the Spirit of God are the solutions to the problems we face every single day. Wisdom for Ted, right, <laughs> would have been to start on his, his history paper months before when it was assigned, right? That would, that would be wisdom, to start when it's assigned and do it, not be caught at the end when you're stuck trying to cram it together. We've all been there. The solution to our problems isn't more time. It's, it's attacking uh, life with wisdom and with the Spirit of God. What we'll see in our passage is that truth, that, that two things need to be true of us as we go through this life. Each of us are given the same 24-hour day. Okay? We each have to get seven to nine, <laughs> ten hours of sleep. <laughs> Some of us would dream of, um, you know, we need a certain amount of sleep. We have to take time to eat, you know. So our level of ability to be productive is limited, right? There's a, there's a limit to, to it. And so we have to have wisdom and the spirit in order to discern how, uh, how we can solve the problems of our day. So first, uh, we need to be full of wisdom, verses 15 to 17. Again, say this. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. <clears throat> Paul gives the Ephesians a few things, a few pieces of wisdom to walk in uh, in this short few verses. First, he says, walk as wise, not as unwise. And he says, starts this phase uh, out by saying, look carefully then 
how you walk. Not as unwise, but as wise. What is he getting at there? We just talked about how we've got to step out of the darkness and walk into the light. And so he says, in summary, it's almost like a therefore, but it's a different phrase. Look carefully then. If, if the darkness reaps bad fruit and the light reaps righteousness and goodness, then look carefully how you walk because your actions have uh, a, a, a fruit to them. The way you use your time, the way you use your talents, the way you use what God has given you has a fruit to it. So look carefully then how you walk. Look carefully how you spend this next 24 hours that God has given you. Walk as wise, not as unwise. Uh, We remember from last week that our walk in the light can actually draw others to the light. And our walk in the dark can become unfruitful and destructive to ourselves and to those around us. So so walk in wisdom. Walk into the light and out of the darkness. Next, Paul says, make the most of your time. Verse 16, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. The the verb, therefore, making the best use um, in its root actually has... Uh, this idea of redemption, of redeeming something, of buying it back. And so some translate it, buy back the time that is given to you because the days are evil. And what's the idea there? Your, your, um, part of your calling in life is to recognize that time is limited and that evil is occurring around us. It, it's uh, we have a propensity toward it ourselves, and it surrounds us everywhere we look. And so how are you to use time? You're to redeem it. You're to take the time that's given to you and make sure that that time is spent walking in the light, walking as wise. When I was looking at this uh, verse, it, it awakened this question in me. How do you use something if you don't know how much of it you have? That's what it is with time, right? Like you, you've been given a, an amount of time. And over your life, you've been given a, an amount of maybe years, right, that you have in this life that have been given to you, right? We don't know that limit. I know, what I know is that I've been through 34 of them, right? 34 years I've been through. But how many will I get? I don't know. I don't know if it'll be 35 or 36 or 50 or 70 or 120, you know? I don't know. Kirstie's saying, not 35, please. <laughs> That's right. We're going to, we're going to 100. Uh, you know, we don't know. We truly don't know how much of the time we have. We know that in a day we have a certain amount of time, but in our lives, we don't, we don't know. We're not given tomorrow. We don't have a, an agenda from God that says, this is what tomorrow is going to look like for you. you at eight o'clock, you're going to wake up and it was going to be awesome because you got a great night's sleep, <laughs> you know, or whatever. We don't know that. So how do you use something if you don't know how much you had of it? I think that you know, if, if we're thinking about it in terms of like food, you know, like 
Irma was interesting, right, to have a cutoff of supply for a time. I mean, think of, especially right now, Puerto Rico, you know? Think of, like, okay, we don't have a concept, really, of when I will have more food to use. Like, I don't really know if this food is supposed to last me three days, or is this food supposed to last me three weeks, or is this food supposed to last me three months, you know? We don't know, actually, how much we have. So if you're in that situation in terms of food, right, what would you do if you thought, okay, I see that there is a limited supply of food, and I don't know how long it's going to last me? You'd be careful with it, right? <laughs> you'd, you would treat it with as much wisdom as you could. You'd say, okay, um, food might not get here for three weeks. We've got this much. Okay, I need, uh, you know, a, a few a few bites here and a few bites there. I mean, you know, you, you have to ration it. You have to wisely use it so that it would last you. I would say the same is true of time. We don't know how much time we have to use. I think Paul is challenging us here to make the most of your time because the days are evil and your time is limited. If the days are evil and you've been called to live in this world and and be a part of it for the kingdom's advance, then we have a limited amount of time in which to influence in this world. And so make the most of the time you have because the days are evil. Redeem the time that you have because of this. So what does it look like to uh, walk wise in time? It's that you aren't promised tomorrow right? And so today is what you're promised. And when you wrap yourself back to that and not get uh, caught up in, you know, well, what, what's going to happen in five years? You know, it's good to think about that and plan even for the future. That's a positive thing to do. But ultimately, like, if you allow that to wreck today, then you're not redeeming the time. And so as we walk today, we got to make sure that, uh, yeah, it's good to plan and do those things, but be sure that you are redeeming the time, that what you're doing today serves the purpose for which God has gifted and called you to serve in this life. I uh, do this... Uh, I've been good about it sometimes, and sometimes I haven't, but uh, I've been over the past few years, working with this, uh, this thing called Storyline, uh, which Don Miller puts together, um, who wrote Blue Like Jazz, and he has a marketing company and whatever. And so he's got this little concept for how to think about your day each day. And so you ask yourself a few questions each day. You write out your, uh, your, the theme of your life. You sort of try and define that, and it slowly sort of evolves as you go. Uh, and then you list three projects that you want to knock out in the day. This is really good for people that have sort of a, an open-ended schedule, like writers or creative types or whatever, because it says, okay, all I got to do is get that, that, and that done, and I'm good. You know, So it really focuses. And one of the first questions that you ask in this process is, um, what would I, how will I live today without regret, basically? At at the end of the day, 
How will I live and not regret? What do I want to do today so that I don't have any regret? And it's a good question for us to ask. Like, what do I get to enjoy today? I get to enjoy my family. I get to enjoy work. I get to enjoy friends. What do I want to do today that I, that I won't regret this day? Right? I want to make sure I spend t- I want to make sure I don't waste any of my time. I want to make sure I enjoy my time with my family because so often that's a struggle, you know? <laughs> work eight, ten hours a day or whatever, come home and you got a couple hours with your kids or, you know, or with your spouse. Like, it's a, it's a short and compressing amount of time. And so I want to be able to enjoy that and be intentional about enjoying that. Make the most of your time because we're not promised tomorrow. Finally, to be full of wisdom here is to know the will of the Lord. Paul says in uh, 17, Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Knowing, um, what I think he's getting at here is that there, there is a discernment of what would please the Lord. And he sort of talked about that in the last passage. But I think the idea here, at least for me, is uh, when we know what God has said, we can better know what God is saying. So if you want to know what the Lord's will is, he's told us. One of the, uh, my favorite verses is, uh, I think it's First or Second Thessalonians 5.17, where it says, uh, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God for you. God has told you what his will is. He outlines it in his, in his scripture. And so if you want to discern what the will of the Lord is, well, the first step is to know what kind of things the Lord says. And he's actually given that to us, right? He's talked to people. You look at the stories of the Old Testament. How did God speak to people? He spoke to people in a variety of circumstances. He spoke to the apostles in a a variety of ways to encourage and challenge us. If we want to know uh, what the Lord is saying to us today, we have to know what he's already said in the past. So to be full of wisdom is uh, to walk out of the darkness, walk into the light, to, to make the most of the time that's given to you, to know that it's limited and, and, and uh, that you have a, a responsibility to redeem it for the glory of God and to know what God's will is because he's already told us to some degree. And apply that to your life. Be full of wisdom. Second, uh, to... To take on the challenges of our day, we have to be full of the Spirit. To know what we ought to do in every situation, uh, we really simply need the Spirit to guide us. We need the Holy Spirit to be speaking to us, challenging us, encouraging us, giving us uh, wisdom and insight as to what we ought to do. Verses 18 uh, to 21, it starts out this way. It says, And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. 
He's going to list a, a four things that sort of hang off of this concept. But the first sort of imperative statement here is to not get drunk with wine and to be filled with the Holy Spirit. There is some background to this um, statement to not get drunk with wine. At, at the time, and in Greek culture, uh, there's actually a god of alcohol, and his name is uh, Dionysus. He's the Greek god of alcohol. And what would happen in this time is that those who followed the cult of Dionysus, um, and even those culturally who just sort of celebrated him in a cultural manner, uh, would drink alcohol to the extent to which they would become inspired is the goal. They would use alcohol to seek inspiration. Okay? So they're drinking until they feel inspired, whatever that is. And the truth is, I guarantee you that there are people today that function in that manner. They use alcohol as a means of inspiration or another drug or whatever as a means to find some inspiration through that um, chemical or drink or whatever it is, right? I'm most certain there are a lot of psychedelic songs that came about because (laughs) of this, right? Uh, Don't get drunk with wine. Because that is debauchery, when, uh, when Paul is saying this, he's telling this to the church to say, listen, you don't need wine, you don't need alcohol to understand what it is you need to do in this life. You don't need that, you need the Spirit. Don't, don't get yourself drunk on wine trying to uh, get some inspiration as to how things ought to go. Rather, be filled with the Spirit. The Spirit is the one that's going to give you wisdom. The Spirit's the one that's going to tell you what what you need to do and help you discern the will of the Lord. It's the Spirit there. One of the commentaries I'm uh, working through in Ephesians quoted um, a doctor and theologian, Martin Lloyd-Jones, and he speaks about alcohol in in contrast to the Spirit, and he says this, um, wine, alcohol, uh, pharmacologically speaking, is not a stimulant. It's not a stimulant to inspiration. It's actually a depressant. If you take up any book on pharmacology and look up alcohol, you will find always that it's classified among the depressants. It is not a stimulant. Further, it depresses first the foremost, uh, the highest centers of, the, uh, of all in the brain. They control everything that gives a man self-control, wisdom, understanding, discrimination, judgment, balance, the power to assess everything. In other words, everything that makes a man behave at his very best and his very highest. It breaks down those barriers at a certain point. What the Holy Spirit does, however, is the exact opposite. If it were possible to put the Holy Spirit into a textbook of pharmacology, he says, I would put him under the stimulants, for that is where he belongs. He really does stimulate. He stimulates our every faculty, the mind, the intellect, the heart, and the will. These at the time that were drinking alcohol were losing control of their faculties. They were losing control of their ability to make decisions. Did they have some crazy thought? Maybe. Did they have some crazy experience? Yeah, maybe. 
but they lost control of themselves in the process. Paul instead says, instead says, be filled with the Spirit. And this is a pretty cool, so, a uh, little grammar, Greek grammar today. Uh, the word here to, to say, be filled with the Spirit, is this particular type of word, okay? It's, a, it's called an imperative, plural, passive, present tense verb, okay? And I'm just going to explain that very quickly what that means. It means that when he's saying, be filled with the Spirit, he's commanding all believers, so imperative, it's a command, he's commanding all believers to be filled by the work of the Holy Spirit. That's the passive piece of this, that there's a command for you to be filled passively by something exterior to yourself, the Holy Spirit. In a continuous manner. That's the, uh, the present tense of the verb. The plural tense is that this is directed to everybody in, uh, who's, who's reading this, which is, we believe is Ephesus and Christians as a whole. So it's a command to all believers to be filled by the work of the Holy Spirit in a continuous manner. This is what he's telling to us. He said, listen, you have to be filled. Not, not, not at one time, not by one baptism at one time, but continuously you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You need to seek the, uh, the filling of the Holy Spirit on a continuous basis. Be filled with that rather than the things of this world. Seek the filling of the Holy Spirit instead of the filling of the thing this world has to offer. In the rest of the passage, he uh, puts some participles onto this verb uh, that demonstrate, sort of flesh out what he's saying and what also is included in being filled with the Holy Spirit. There's four things. To be filled with the Spirit includes singing to each other, singing to God, giving thanks to God, and submitting to one another. Paul goes on, uh, verse 19 or 18, starting in 18 again. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the, with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. He tells us, be filled with the Spirit, and this is what that looks like. It looks like when you gather, it's not, just, uh, it's not just Sam up here singing to us in some sort of concert manner, right? It's all of us gathering together, and we're singing truths unto one another. And I, as I sing, you're hearing it in your spirit. As you sing, I'm hearing it in my spirit. And there's this interaction that's happening because we've been given the spirit and full of him. And as we sing to the Lord, our spirits are interacting with each other, and the Holy Spirit is, is moving in and amongst ourselves. He says this happens in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Uh, psalms, again, we, we went over this a little bit when we talked about singing together in our Going Together series, but psalms are uh, songs sung to the plucking of an instrument. Uh, hymns are typically a cappella, typically about 
Christ, at least in, in the early church here. And spun, uh, spiritual songs are typically spontaneous compositions prompted by the Holy Spirit. So things you might sing in an in a interlude where there isn't particular verse or whatever it is. We sing to each other. There's a horizontal relationship that happens as we come together. We're not just coming and just communing with the Lord individually. We're communing with each other even in our songs. Singing has a spiritual impact on all those who hear. Next, we feel with the Spirit does include, as we typically understand it, singing to God. And so as we sing, we're not only singing words of truth and encouragement to each other, we're also declaring those things to the Lord. It's, you know, I believe it's truly an act of faith that we're stepping into to declare that I believe that Jesus paid it all. Right? When, I, when I sing those words, what I'm saying is, this is what I believe. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. It's an act of faith to publicly declare that this is what I believe. It's not just some song written up with just for us to enjoy the tune. It's a declaration of who we are and what we walk in. Sing to each other and sing to God. Thanking God. All we have has come from God the Father through Jesus. All that we have has come from God through Jesus. So thank Him. He's the Father of lights and He's given good gifts to His children. Giving thanks always for everything to God. Sometimes that means thanking God for what we're going through. (laughs) Thanking God in faith because we know that what we're going through is for our good. It might be hard, it might be a struggle, but at the end of it, God has a purpose and a plan in it. When we were buying our house, Christy was thanking God for the roaches. God's got a plan in it. He's got a purpose there for us to understand, okay, this, we got to deal with this, you know? The things that come into our lives aren't just happenstance and, you know, random. Like, they're there. And God is using them in, in, a, in a very clear and, and uh, purposeful way. So thank God, always, for everything that he brings into your path. Finally, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. We were talking beforehand about this, but you know, I really believe that this is a, a, a recognition that the Holy Spirit has indwelled your fellow believers. So as we look around our room today, we know that you're indwelt with the Holy Spirit. You're indwelt with the Holy Spirit. You're indwelt with the Holy Spirit. Like, we've accepted Jesus, and when we accept Jesus, the Holy Spirit takes up residence inside of me. What that opens me to is submitting to what God would lead you in saying to me. How he might lead you to encourage me, or challenge me, or 
or, um, or pray for me, right? To know that the, the Spirit is in you. And for you to know that the Spirit is in me. God is able and intent on using the church, the whole church, everyone in the church, to bring us into reverence for Christ. To know that that Jesus is in this place, is working in and through each of us for his glory. Paul says, to be filled with the Holy Spirit looks like this, singing the truth of God to each other, singing the truth of God to the Lord and to this place, thanking God for all that he has brought and submitting to one another, knowing that God wants to speak to you and through you to those around you. If we're going to face the struggles and challenges that we walk in each day, and if we're going to use the time that we've given, been given wise, in a wise manner, we have to be full of wisdom. We have to f- be full of the Holy Spirit. Let's go with these things. Our time is limited, and we don't know how much we get. So redeem it. Whatever time you're given, redeem the time. If you're going to enjoy a time with friends, make sure that that's purposeful. If you're going to sit down and enjoy a a TV show, make sure you don't, you know, waste your day on that. Only that. Is it good to enjoy a TV show? Yeah, it's fine. Is it good when it takes over your life? No, it's not. (laughs) There's wisdom in that, right? There's a a discernment there that I'm going to sit down, I'm going to enjoy this, with my wife or my husband or my kids or whatever, and then we're going to move on to something else. Redeem the time. Know that it is limited and and it it escapes us very quickly. So redeem it. Don't be controlled by the things of the world. Don't be controlled by the things of the world, whether that's money or some substance or some recognition from friends or recognition from coworkers or uh, whatever it is. Don't be controlled by the things of the world. In this time for the, the Ephesians, what Paul was telling them, don't be controlled by alcohol. That's what he was telling them. Don't be controlled by alcohol. Don't let alcohol make your decisions. <laughs> you know, to us today, don't, don't let money make our decisions. Don't let uh, the, the praise of uh, people in the world Make your decisions. What's going to make your decision? Let the Spirit make your decision. Let the Lord's will make your decision. Don't let the things of this world make your decisions. The time is evil. And things of this world, they'll help you make evil decisions. They will. Don't be controlled by the things of this world. Rather, be filled with the Spirit be filled in song, be filled in speech, be filled in submission to one another. It's a word we don't like. We're going to talk about it for the next three weeks. <laughs> Congratulations. Um, be filled with the Spirit. A- allow God to use your singing. You don't have to be 
uh, the greatest singer in the world. He's given you a voice to sing. Sing, whatever it sounds like. What it sounds like to the Lord, it's beautiful, regardless of what it might sound like to men. Be filled with the Spirit and, and sing the truths of God unto one another. Let the Spirit be the one that makes your decisions in life. Let's pray. God, we thank you that you have given us life to be lived in fullness. That the situations and circumstances we walk in, you want us to walk in in a full manner that brings you pleasure and honor and glory. And so, God, we pray that we would, that we would walk in wisdom and that we would walk in your spirit. That would be full of wisdom and full of your spirit. Help us, God, to redeem the time that you've given us. Help us to make the best use of it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.